You're listening to the ONP Check-In, an SPS podcast. This podcast brings you the latest happenings in the ONP industry. We're unpacking trends and news from this tight-knit orthotics and prosthetics community. Thank you for joining us. My name is Jackie Green. I'm a marketing specialist at SPS. And I'm Brendan Erickson, regional sales manager here at SPS. Welcome back to our listeners. If you're new to the ONP Check-In, here is what you can expect. In each episode, we provide a quick SPS update and discuss hot topics in ONP with leading professionals in the industry. Before we get started, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Did you know True Life has an orthosis to assist in the treatment of pigeon chest, abnormal chest shape, or protrusion of both the sternum and cartilage portion of the ribs? True Life Pectus Orthosis is a one-size-fits-most product that provides increased anterior and posterior directed corrective compression forces. Made in Bellingham, Washington, it is the non-invasive and easy-to-fit way to aid in the reduction or correction of the abnormal deformation of the chest. Make sure you have one on hand next time you run into this situation. Ask your SPS sales account manager to add one to your order today. Thank you, True Life. Now let's see what's going on at SPS. The SPS shoe catalog has been updated to include styles from Anodyne, Apex, Apix, Brooks, Dr. Comfort, and so much more. The catalog is categorized by men and women's mild, moderate, acute shoe types, so you can find exactly what your patient needs. Yep, and this is a great resource for browsing our large selection of shoes. To view the latest version, visit the SPS online store, then click on the resources tab and select catalogs. Yep, or you can follow the links in our show notes. All right, let's get this interview started. We are thrilled to be joined by Forrest Stump founder and AOPA's manager of public engagement, Nicole Verkailen, and SPS sales account managers, Jamie Brown and Travis Ricks. Welcome, everyone. We're excited to chat with you today about the So Kids Can Move initiative. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks, guys. Yeah, seriously, thanks for joining us, guys. This is, this is going to be a really fun topic. So I'm going to kick us off here. Nicole, we're excited to have you back on the show. I know you, it feels like you were just with us not that long ago, but I, I think it's been like the whole summer. Time is just flying by. So for anyone uh, listening who hasn't met you in our prior episode, could you share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And super excited to be joining you all today. Thanks so much to SPS for your support of our team. Uh, so my kind of backstory and how I got here Uh, I uh, lost my leg to bone cancer when I was 10 years old and have always been uh, super uh, athletic and growing up in the Midwest, always wanted to be as active as I could, uh, but was really restricted in terms of what I had access to uh, in terms of prosthetics. And, you know, at first my family really tried to fight that, tried to fight insurance and, and get something that would allow me to play in the water with my friends that would allow me to run and just be as active as possible. But uh, unfortunately, we were denied so many times and we just kind of gave up. Um, I broke my prosthesis so many times growing up just in gym class. And eventually, uh, as I started to get older, developed a sacral torsion pelvic asymmetry 
every time I was running, I basically just was running my pelvis out of alignment because my walking leg just didn't provide the amount of energy return that I needed to be able to do half marathons and just keep up with my peers and my friends. And so at that point, I had graduated from the University of Michigan, went to school in marketing and wanted to pursue a career path in sustainability. But because of these really uh, uh, the, these issues that were happening so close to home for myself, I started to really question the healthcare system and just why it was set up this way. And, you know, really started to question what is it really that makes me disabled? Uh, is it the fact that I'm missing my foot as a result of an amputation? Or is it because of these outdated policies uh, in our healthcare system and specifically within orthotics and prosthetics that restrict access for people? And so at that point, I just kind of, you know, was at that point in my life where I wanted to do something about it. So um, I uh, left my job and decided to do a 1500 mile triathlon down the West Coast to raise awareness for better access to prosthetics and just better rights for people with disabilities. And that's where Forrest Stump uh, was born. We uh, coined that term after kind of joking about running across the country, kind of thought about my favorite movie, Forrest Gump, and the Forrest Stump name just stuck. So it's been an incredible journey since then. That was in 2017. Uh, since that process, I've uh, had the opportunity to meet so many incredible athletes like Jamie and Travis uh, through various events, through the Challenged Athletes Foundation, through USA Triathlon, through uh, Dare to Try organization out in Chicago. And uh, we just, you know, collectively started to share our own experiences and realized, wow, we're in the same boat. We've had the same type of experiences in terms of restricted access and, you know, let's do something about it. So now here I am uh, years later and really excited to, to now be part of AOPA, the American Orthotic and Prosthetic Association as our manager of public engagement and uh, helping to kickstart this new initiative, the So Kids Can Move initiative, which is a joint partnership between AOPA, the National Association for the Advancements, Advancement of Orthotics and Prosthetics, and uh, the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. And and everyone in the industry um, thanks you for, for your hard work. Um, and, and now I'm gonna kick it over to Jamie Brown. I don't know if you can follow that up. It's a tough one to beat. Um, but yeah. Jamie, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my, my backstory, uh, I, I was one of those uh, children that uh, as a result of a birth defect was amputated at 10 months at the foot. Um, and then as well as I was missing a couple of uh, digits on my, my right hand. So uh, basically I, I grew up very different from all of my peers. Uh, this, is, this is at a point in time, probably early 80s, where there wasn't a whole lot of any of the information that's out there now. And uh, I was a very active kid. Um, I, I needed a lot of energy to get out of my system and I channeled that through sports. And I played sports, uh, basically, you name it, I, I tried it from surfing to rollers, hockey to baseball, football, whatever it might have been. Um, and I just improvised or adapted with uh, the prosthetics I had. And we're talking like my foot was cork back then. We're, we're talking about carbon now, but um, I, I definitely have seen the evolution of how the prosthetics ha have you know grown over the last you know 40 years in a sense. So. Um, all through school, I was very athletic. So when I was 15, I was at a crossroads uh, in sports and baseball, and my equipment was inferior to um, some of the equipment that was out there, but insurance companies weren't allowing me to get the appropriate legs um, that I needed or prosthetics at that point. And uh, I almost quit playing baseball. 
fortunately, my prosthetist said, let's try a, a different angle and I will find a way to get this carbon foot for you, which was called the flex foot back then. And it was basically a game changer for me in baseball. And it basically catapulted the rest of my uh, baseball career. And I've ended up playing through high school and college and ultimately went to the World Series. So I'm forever thankful that I had um, that individual to kind of, you know, have his have my best interest at hand um, and being that selfless. Um, so, yeah, I, it, I was very fortunate. Okay, last but not least, joining us for the very first time is Travis Rick. So, Travis, how long have you been with SPS? What brought you into the OMP industry? Give us your little spiel, your background, your story. So, I'm, I'm like the, the baby over here at SPS. I started back in March. And, uh, yeah, it's it, I've had kind of a different experience, I think, than Nicole or Jamie. Um, I didn't get into this whole adaptive community until uh, later in life. I actually had cancer at 17. I had a bone cancer, uh, probably very similar to Nicole. Uh, but later on, um, I had been able to go through a childhood living, you know, my life with two legs. And um, I knew how important sports were to me. Uh, got to high school, was on a path to go to college. Um, wrestling was my sport, but I played football. I did baseball my whole life. Um, you know, I, I played volleyball for a short stint in high school. And, and when I got cancer, I thought it was all over. I actually thought that if I amputated my leg, um, you know, I had to give up sports. So I fought to keep my leg. I uh, had a, a knee replacement, I got some staph infections later uh, when I was 21, and then spent two years fighting 16 different staph infections, three open knee surgeries, and made a decision to uh, amputate my leg to move forward with life. But ultimately what I thought I was doing was making a decision to amputate my leg um, and give up sports. Uh, you know, that's kind of how it was in my mind. Um, I happened to meet somebody who was an amputee, he was kind of my mentor. He worked at a place called Challenge Athletes Foundation. It was in San Diego, my back, backyard. And uh, I started volunteering. I thought this is a cool thing. I, I, I love the idea of sports. And obviously the adaptive community was new to me. So I, I did that, uh, volunteered for like five years and was uh, going to school to be a zoology major and I was looking to go to Africa and save the, the elephants or something. And I, uh, I dropped off a grant application a day late look at, you know, looking for them to hopefully take it. And they gave me a job because I was in between jobs in the middle of college and started loving what I was doing. I, I worked at the front desk and I was like, this is so cool, moved my way into the programming department. and. I ended up really just seeing how much, you know, giving a prosthetic foot to a child can benefit their life. And I fell in love with the fact that we can change somebody's life uh, by giving them the access to the, the equipment they needed, whether they had a spinal cord injury or an amputation or, you know, they had muscular dystrophy or MS. I mean, it was a game changer for people. And I just said, this is what I want to do. So I, I did that for the last 14 years. Uh, and, and really loved being able to meet some of the people that were coming through. I met Nicole at the end of her run um, in San Diego when she was going through that, that first uh, you know, forest stump adventure. And, you know, we gave her a running leg. I think that was your first running leg, right, Nicole? I think we worked with uh, Natalie to make sure that we could present that at the very end because it was a big part of that whole presentation. I mean, you were 30, I think, at that time. And it was, it was crazy to me, that experience, to see somebody who'd lived 25 years, right? Well, I mean, it was more like 15 without having the ability to run properly with a running foot. And so 
you know, seeing that, that was kind of one of those things where it's like that, that shouldn't be the case. And then, you know, back in, I think it was 2000, I want to say 2009, I met Jamie at a triathlon camp. It was the first ever paratriathlon camp that we put on. And he was one of the standout athletes at the, the event. And he, you know, had said a very similar story. And it was one of those things where it's like, this should not be the case. And, you know, I, I made it my goal there to make sure that every kid that came through had the opportunity to get a prosthetic. And I actually, you know, got the chance to do a couple of cool things while I've, since I've been an amputee. And one of them was being a counselor at the Amputee Coalition Youth Camp where I met uh, a young woman named Jordan Simpson. And she actually is the one that came up with this whole idea to give the, uh, the kids an opportunity to get a running leg through their, you know, through government legislation, right? To make sure that it was something that they had access to and had the right to have. And it was a school project. And so when Nicole threw this out as, hey, remember that hood to coast thing we were gonna do back before COVID started? Well, now we're gonna do it again and we're gonna do it for a good cause. And I said, I'm in. Um, I may be too out of shape and too old to do this, but I, uh, I wanted to be a part of this thing. And that's kind of where we are today. And I, I got to, I've been working with SPS last couple of months. I know um, th this company has been amazing and, and it's been a huge support of the, what, what uh, this adventure has been and just super proud to be a part of a team that's willing to support such a great movement. But um, so Travis, I mean, it's awesome. You, you mentioned Hood to Coast. So did you, Jamie. Uh, I'm now going to turn to Nicole. And how about you explain Hood to Coast? Tell us about the relay and the whole experience about it. Yeah, absolutely. So Hood to Coast is, is this renowned relay race. This year was the 40th year that they've done it. Um, they It draws over 20,000 people from all across the world, all 50 states, uh, 40 countries, and what it is, is a, it's a relay race over 36 hours. So there's 36 different legs uh, and you can have up to 12 athletes on a team and each of those athletes take on three legs. Um, so at, at any given time throughout the 36 hours, a member of your team is running. And uh, the course is just this beautiful course through Oregon, starts at the base of Mount Hood and goes 200 miles all the way out to seaside on the coast. Um, of course, there's lots of different uh uh, challenges throughout that 36 hours. I mean, the, the, the routes themselves, some of them are very steep downhill coming off of the base of Mount Hood. Others are gravel. There's a lot of elevation on some. I know Jamie could definitely talk about that. We definitely gave him the hardest one to do. Um, and then there's a lot of other challenges that are were really unique to our team. Uh, the team that we had was an all physically challenged team. We wanted to make a statement as part of Hood to Coast of those 20,000 runners that do this every year, less than 1% are people with disabilities. And our team was an all physically challenged team with amputations, limb difference, spinal cord injuries, club foot, uh, multiple sclerosis. Um, so we had an incredible team of athletes that wanted to show that we can be out here just as much as anyone else and to also promote the So Kids Can Move initiative, uh, which we can share and kind of uh, explain more on what that is. But uh, Travis alluded to uh, advocate and limb loss uh, advocate Jordan Simpson in Maine, who helped kind of kickstart this effort through her legislative efforts. But uh, Hood to Coast itself, um, I think, is just as much a logistical uh, race as it is a physical race. And I'm sure Travis and Jamie can speak to that. Uh, if, if there's a best way to describe it, if anyone thinks of kind of like the amazing race and what people have to do in order to do that, it's, it's like that. Um, but on a, a scale for Oregon. <laughs> Not all over the globe. 
Yeah, but maybe that's what we'll do. Not next. yet. <laughs> yeah, I think yet. you should join. The, do the amazing race, guys. Yeah, I think that'd be amazing. I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> Jameson. I think we've we uh, tested out our logistical abilities uh, this past weekend, and I'm really proud of our team. I mean, we had an incredible group of drivers who offered uh, to spend the 36 hours with us. They weren't running, but they were driving us. And we just had such a solid team. My uh, co-founder at Forest Stump, uh, Natalie Harold, uh, was one of our drivers and just top-notch, you know, uh, project manager and being able to make sure that every van was in the right place at every time. Yeah, big kudos to them, for sure. And you guys are already done, right? I mean, this isn't something you're dreaming about. This is in your rear view mirror right now, right? We're still feeling We're still feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not that far in the rear view mirror. <laughs> Yeah, we crossed the we crossed the finish on Saturday. Uh, we thought it was going to take us around thirty five ish hours was our estimated finish time, and we finished in thirty four hours. That's <laughs> so awesome. Shaved a little bit of time off there. Wow, so impressive. <laughs> like, I yeah, and all the logistics, like listening to you coordinate, just the drivers, like oh right, drivers. Yeah, you need to have uh, people ready to go and keep going with you guys this whole time. So it's so impressive. So Jamie and Travis. <laughs> Uh, what uh, what inspired you guys to like sign up and be a part part of this? Were you recruited? Did uh, Nicole ask you to do it with her, or were you guys just interested right out the gate? Well, I, I will say back in 2019 we were talking about doing this. Um, actually, I heard that Nicole had put a team together, and then I think I begged Jamie to get her to put me on the team because this was a bucket list thing for me. I had actually thought about this for several years about having like an all amputee team at Hooded Coast. And, you know, kind of was like a little dream thing that I was, I was never really going to pull the trigger on. And then Nicole had done it and I said, I want in. And when I started listening to the all-star team that she was putting together, I was like, this is gonna be awesome. And then we took a break, obviously COVID canceled uh, that year. Uh, But when we came back, you know, just being a part of this group of people, um, I known some of these people like Jamie forever. I've known Nicole for a lot of years, but there are people I'd never met that are on this group. And by the time we went through the 36 hours, I think we were all best friends. It was it was actually one of the really most exciting, fun things that I've done probably in the last decade. So I had a blast. Yeah, and I, I've I had I was I've been fortunate enough to have done this before. So I think when we the brainchild came up with this in 19, it was in the back of my mind it would be a cool event for the an all adaptive team to uh, to to do it. Um, Logistics were definitely going to be important, but you know, ultimately, you got a bunch of very adaptable people. Um, we are the adaptive community, so if anyone's going to be able to pull this off and figure it out would would be a group like us. Um, but yeah, it's it it's just it was an incredible experience. Um, I'm glad I got to do it because if it was 2020 or 2021, I probably wasn't going to be able to do it just because of the Olympic stuff that was going on. Um, so the fact that we were able to push it back another year. Um, allowed me the opportunity to do it and, and, and do it for such an amazing cause. So I'm glad I was able to pull my legs or do my legs uh, in, the, uh, <laughs> in the run. And yeah, I got to meet so many amazing new people um, on, this, on this adventure. And uh, now we have friends for life. That's awesome. And, and you mentioned the cause. How about you guys talk about the cause? Because I think that's the most important thing here. You guys had an amazing time, but uh, there's something much bigger to why you're doing this. Why don't you explain it? 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll share about the So Kids Can Move initiative that we've started. I mean, I think we've kind of set the um, set the, the ground story in terms of each of our unique stories of what we kind of dealt with growing up, uh, acquiring our disabilities so young. And, you know, many of the individuals on our team kind of have those similar stories of either being born with their disability or acquiring it as children and not having access. Um, and so the, that those issues that we've experienced have been kind of driving forces in our lives as advocates. And so when we assembled this team and kind of brought this together, you know, we were looking at people who've had that strong advocacy voice and that can speak to this. Um, but uh, kind of the way this So Kids Can Move initiative came about uh, was through just recently, Jordan Simpson, uh, who's a limb loss advocate in Maine, um, was able to work with her uh, member of the state legislature, Representative Colleen Madigan, and they were able to get past uh, a law that now requires insurance companies to take into consideration the recreational needs of children uh, in terms of prosthetics and providing prosthetics that help them ambulate, run, bike, swim, and to also help maximize upper limb function. And this is the first of it, uh, first legislation of its kind in the entire country and something that we've all been dreaming about and kind of talking about for so long and truly incredible how Jordan was able to get this done. She was uh, in a social work class uh, and getting her master's in Maine, you know, decided to focus on this issue, actually cited Forrest Stump in some of her policy briefings uh, that she put together. And uh, Representative Colleen Madigan was good friends with the professor, came into the class to kind of hear uh, the students' stories and what they wanted to focus their policy briefs on, and just latched on to Jordan's, because Jordan is such an eloquent speaker, very passionate advocate. And Representative Madigan said, hey, let's work on this together. So they immediately started working together. They introduced a bill together. Uh, I had to wait until the next session to kind of make it much traction the first round. But then when they um, uh, kind of introduced it the second time, uh, it went through, which is really incredible from a you know legislative cycle perspective that they were able to get this passed in two years. And uh, it, it doesn't start until 2024. So that actually gives um, AOPA some time to work in Maine with our members. Um, but to back up, once we heard about this initiative with Jordan and the law that was passed in, in May uh, in Maine, we decided let's try and uh, figure out a way that we can replicate this nationwide and bring it to other states. So immediately got on a call with Jordan to kind of understand, you know, how was she able to get this done? What were some of the roadblocks and issues that she experienced rep with Representative Madigan? And honestly, Jordan kind of carried this on her back herself. And this is very incredible what she was able to get done. So she shared a lot of uh, some best practices and the documents and uh, materials that she put together. And uh, then internally, AOPA decided that we wanted to strategically put some time and effort behind this and uh, help replicate this effort nationwide. And so that's when this So Kids Can Move campaign was born and initiative, and we were able to uh, partner up with the National Association for the Advancement of Orthotics and Prosthetics, and then just recently brought on board the Academy, the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists, as kind of a joint uh, coalition that's going to be pushing this effort forward. And so after Maine, we started looking at Oregon and Washington as the first two states after Maine to pass this legislation. And uh, for, for a number of different reasons, we have a very strong Northwest chapter uh, 
within the academy. We have a lot of great AOPA members in both of these states. We have some wonderful on the ground advocates and uh, with Forrest Stump and us doing this hood to coast race, we knew that this would be an opportunity for us to get some attention to this effort and really kind of kickstart it. Uh, and not to mention that Oregon and Washington are in the top five most active states in the country. So it's a, a perfect opportunity to, to show that kids in these states need to be just as active as the rest of everyone. Um, and so, yeah, that's where it has started. And, you know, this initiative is fairly new. We just kind of launched this right after this law was passed in, in Maine in May. And uh, we've already heard from a number of other states that have reached out to us um, that want to get involved and want to bring this to their state, uh, Illinois, New Mexico, New Hampshire, uh, Colorado, um, just to name a few. But we're starting to get more advocates and more individuals on board that want to bring so kids can move to their state and help get this legislation passed. Wow, it's pretty amazing. And, and I would assume that insurances probably will start seeing the light. I mean, it seems like a benefit for life to give children the ability to play, to run, to be active and in a long run quality of lifestyle. I, I mean, it just makes sense in my mind. Um, do, you, do you guys think you're going to see positive, um, you know, I guess, response from the, the, the paying community? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, there's this benefits everyone being able to provide uh, recreational prosthetics to children, especially. I think insurance companies will actually save money in the long run by yep. adopting this policy. We know so many children who break down their uh, regular walking prosthetics earlier than they should because they're putting so much energy and just damage on them. And the lifespan, you know, is just not meant to keep up with the activity level they're doing. So insurance companies are actually paying more if they were, than instead if they were just able to provide the appropriate prosthesis for the child. So we've definitely seen that being a, a great opportunity on both sides. Additionally, I mean, it prevents secondary health conditions from happening for these children. I know children with disability, children with disabilities are more likely to be obese than their peers and have just uh, weight challenges. And so this is going to help um, keep kids active uh, and kind of reduce some of those other issues that they may have down the line. Uh, there's also a number of studies that have shown kind of secondary health impacts uh, such as osteoarthritis from utilizing an inappropriate prosthesis to run because of uh, the body mechanics, the damage that it can do to your in-sound side by putting more pressure and uh, just damage um, to uh, your existing or intact limb um, because you're not getting the amount of energy return that you need from the prosthesis. So well, that's what you experienced firsthand, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was in so much back pain uh, just from running on a, a walking prosthesis and, you know, that, that ended up derailing my even ability just to do daily life stuff. In addition to exercise, like getting up in the morning, just trying to put my socks on, I was just in so much pain. And uh, yeah, that's what we want to prevent for people. Just keep them moving. And we know that movement is medicine and that's what this is all about. I, yeah, the, when you're bringing up the secondary health conditions, I was like, my as soon as you said getting kids more active, it's like childhood obesity is such an issue right now that, I mean, the best way to combat that is get a mobile. Yeah, absolutely. Childhood obesity. Um, and also, you know, the connection to mental health uh, for children and just social development. I mean, every part of being physically active and just play and recreation is all important to a child's development uh, over the course of their life. And uh, if you look at, you know, children with disabilities, they're four times less physically active than their peers. 
you know, they're not getting the opportunity to develop those social skills or that mental health, that self-esteem that comes from being physically active or just being included. Uh, and this is, you know, we think a population that's so important um, to be able to have access to physical activity. If you look at the you know, U.S. government physical activity guidelines, uh, children, it's recommended that children get 60 minutes of physical activity every single day. And if you can imagine that this recommendation for these children, but they don't have the proper prosthetics or orthotics to even do that, how are they going to be able to meet that physical activity goal? So it just is common sense that this needs to be done. And while we were at Hood to Coast, you know, we would share this story with individuals and I've been sharing this you know, message for the past five years. And every time we tell someone these things aren't covered, people are just like, what? That's crazy. How can this not be covered for a child? Um, so we think it's, it's something that's absolutely winnable, that insurance companies that will benefit them as well um, to reduce costs and just make sure that children are healthier and have more opportunities in their, their lifespan. Yeah, I bet, I bet you guys were passing people on the route and, and they're just going, holy cow, look at them go. That's amazing. And then you guys probably got to share the stories of why you're doing it and spread the word. And now you've got, you know, a big kind of soapbox and a, a bullhorn. Let's let's yell as loud as we can and get as many people to um, to join you guys. Um, and, and with that, I mean, how do we do that? What do our, what do our listeners do? What do people in the industry do? What do patients themselves do? How do we get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one way to get involved with uh, So Kids Can Move, I mean, if you're in Oregon and Washington, we definitely want you to, to get involved with us because these are two states that we're actively targeting. But if you're in other states and you're interested in getting involved as well, uh, we have a state and federal advocacy manager, Sam Miller, who's one of our key individuals that's behind this initiative with So Kids Can Move, and definitely want you to email him to let us know like you want to get involved. Um, his email is smiller at aopennet.org, and we can provide those in the, the provide that in the show notes. Uh, but uh, additionally, we're going to have opportunities for people to write notes or write letters to their state legislators and, you know, tell them that this is something that they believe needs to happen for the children. Um, and whether or not you personally have an amputation or, you know, a family member, I mean, this is something that everyone can get involved with just because you believe in mobility and believe that everyone should have access to physical activity. So we really need people from all walks of life to support this initiative, whether you're a physical therapist or a pediatrician um, or an orthotist and prosthetist. Of course, those are kind of our, our main communities that interact with us every single day, but people that just like to be mobile and enjoy the outdoors um, and just want other people to have the same opportunity can get involved with this as well. So we'll uh, follow along with AOPA as we continue to push this forward. Um, email Sam uh, to get involved and bring this to your state as well. And I, I did wanna also share that, you know, bringing this to Hood to Coast was incredibly special from a visibility standpoint. I know uh, Jamie mentioned that he had done Hood to Coast before and one of our other athletes, uh, Patrick um, Presgro, who's a bilateral above knee amputee had done uh, Hood to Coast once before. And at least from Patrick's point of view, he said he didn't see anyone else like him on the course. And when we were out there together, we were incredibly visible. I mean, we definitely made a statement. Everyone was looking at us. Everyone saw us cross the finish line. And that in and of itself was an incredible achievement an incredible accomplishment for the uh, adaptive and disability community, just having that visibility at this kind of race. And not only did we have to have two vans, we had to have three vans 
because uh, we had to transport our wheelchair athletes, um, push from racing wheelchairs, as well as our biking guides for them at night. So in terms of logistics, like everything was heightened for us. And I'm just so proud of our team and what they were able to do. Um, but another important part of that too was the community that we established, you know, in those vans and just being able to do this together. There was, you know, a lot of hurdles that we had to overcome and being able to do that with an all adaptive team that just knew like, hey, you know, we're going to be there to support you was incredibly special. So I have one more question. I know you guys had donation goals. Did you guys meet like individually and collectively? Were you guys able to successfully meet your donation goals? Yes, we were. Absolutely. Our, we kind of first set our goal at 25,000 and we saw that we were going to surpass that. So we upped it to 35,000 and we've now raised $37,000, uh, which is absolutely amazing. And this team has done an incredible job and a huge kudos and thank you to SPS for your donation and support of Travis and Jamie as well. Uh, this you know, couldn't have been done without the community and just the generous nature of so many people. So uh, we're excited to keep pushing this message forward and bringing awareness to the disability community and doing more events like these in the future. Um, at the end, our team was like, let's do it again. You know, let's do head to coast next year. There's some you know, accommodations that we want to try and have made to make this easier for more adaptive teams in the future. We really were a historic team kind of paving the way for future teams to come. And we want to make it uh, better and more inclusive for others in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, guys. Is there anything else you want to say before we close this episode out? Just want to say thank you guys so much. And, you know, just echoing what Brendan said, we'd love to get more people involved with So Kids Can Move, um, you know, heightening this in Oregon and Washington and, and bringing it to other states to really start a, a movement uh, across the nation. So thanks so much to everybody who's listened to this and wants to be part of it. Yeah, don't, don't just support, share. Make sure everyone knows. Yeah, we definitely appreciate the support. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. All right. If you would like to learn more about the So Kids Can Move initiative and Forrest Stump, follow the link in the show notes. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to the ONP Check-In, an SPS podcast. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate and review the show to help fellow ONP professionals find us. We'd also like to hear from you directly. What topics do you want us to cover? Do you have any burning questions? Email us with your thoughts and feedback at spspodcast at spsco.com. See you next time. Bye. Bye.